Welcome in to episode 90. I was going to say 90 in Spanish and I blanked on what it is. Jake, what's 90 <laughs> in Spanish? You're talking to a guy who took a high school German. So ah, I can't what's help 90 you there. in German? Uh, you're talking to a guy who didn't pay attention in <laughs> high school German. <laughs> Welcome to episode 90 of the Who Day Den. It's Taylor and Jake. We're back and... We're going to talk a little, 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 little bit about the Browns game. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Panthers game. And we're going to try to bring the the PVOs. Is that correct? Amen. All the PVOs that PVOs, your listeners can not handle. Not the GVOs. Not the good vibes. The positive vibes only for this podcast episode. Because the vibes were down on Monday's episode. and um, You know what we're going to be, Taylor? What we're are we going to be, Jake? We're going to be demeanor hounds. <laughs> shout out teddy k demeanor hounds that that guy is just uh we I have love a lot him. of we have a lot of likable guys on our team he is one of them that it's like you can hang out with him just for like dinner and drinks like you know a three-hour thing he i think he's at the top of the list you know you've got the stars and like oh joe burrow and jamar chase and like that's cool i think some under the radar guys are trey hendrickson I think feels like just like a like he seems like he's a normal dude and then he gets on the field and he's like this menace but off the field he's just kind of like a normal dude like he doesn't wear the gloves um and I just something about him just is like oh he's just like a normal guy like I might see him at Home Depot getting some mulch or something um, his face is he's got a very like every man look to yeah, his face that's for yeah, sure love it and then you got Teddy K and he is just really I knew you know when I knew I was going to like Ted Karras was when he joined the team and they they put him on social media and had him do his best who day and he very clearly had never heard a who day champ before <laughs> i'm gonna find that clip and i'm gonna put it in please right do insert here. here who day yeah yeah that um he obviously was struggling with that but i appreciated him giving the effort you know he knew he knew what the people wanted. he's a to huge do. effort guy but anyways yeah we're demeanor demeanor hounds here and I said after the episode on Monday that I, that was a game I was done talking about. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I, I think it very well could be one of those games that you just say everything that could go wrong went wrong. You bury it. You move on because there's not a whole lot to learn from that game, hopefully. Um, but, you know, after a couple of days, you've got some more thoughts about it. Um, I I will say the more I've thought about that game, I was on a podcast last night, uh, actually, with cody from smash hit sports so he's at smash hits sports on twitter follow cody Bengals shout, fan. Out. shout out cody we talked about the Bengals, and i was i was finally able in the moment you know this wasn't like a, a scripted thing i was able to effectively communicate my thoughts on zach taylor mm. and it came back to you know i've come to to be an apologist somehow not really on purpose but it's just kind of happened zach taylor's the play caller not as bad as you think and I think where I'm at with Zach Taylor is I think the play calling is a weak excuse that a lot of fans use when they have issues with whatever. I think he's the scapegoat for things when they don't go right, when they could be play calling issues, they could just be bad execution. But I think an area, like two areas where I do kind of worry about Zach Taylor, we're this far into his coaching career, and I'm not sure I'm seeing progress, is his ability to adapt in game. We've seen week to week changes and evolution and, you know, updates to the offensive scheme that you can say, oh, that's promising. 
mm-hmm. in game you just don't see a lot of adjustments and um i know that's that can be a hard thing to do in like real life it's easy to say make adjustments in game it can be hard to do i guess uh that worries me a little bit with zach and i felt like maybe monday was an example of the inability to make adjustments as things maybe aren't working as you had hoped uh trying trying something different uh that's a concern for me and uh i I think actually i can't remember what the second thing is that i don't like about him (laughs) what well actually this is a great tease for cody go listen to cody's podcast because i had two things about zach taylor that and i didn't write them down again because this wasn't scripted um but Man, I wish I could remember what the other one was. Well, anyways, there was something else I was like, I don't really love that. But the inability to adapting in-game kind of worries me a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think that's an area where you can improve. So I will say, this like, I'm a Zach Taylor apologist for the most part. I defend him for the most part. But there are definitely areas where he can improve, and I think that's one of them. And I don't know, like, that's the reason we lost on Monday. But I do think it's a fair criticism that we maybe could see yeah, hopefully we we'll see some improvements in. And it's partially, I, I think, the fact that he's on the same coaching staff as Lou Anarumo, and we've kind of like continually seen. Obviously, this week feels a little bit different, but we've continually seen his ability to kind of like go in at halftime and then come out, and it's like, okay, we feel positive that whatever maybe we were struggling with in the first half or whatever schemes we were seeing that maybe weren't expecting, like now we're going to shut it down or now we've got it covered. Whereas with Zach, we don't necessarily have that same confidence. So there's kind of that that contrast there that... I remember the second thing. Lay it on I'm us. So, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I don't want to forget it again. Um, it is... It's, it's a very general thing, but I feel like Zach struggles with making things easier for his offense. That there are times where when it's like... When it's a struggle, it's a struggle. There is no, and some of that goes into in-game adjustments. When something's not working, I don't have trust in him to adjust in-game to make it work all of a sudden. But it seems like things can be really bogged down, and then there is just no making things easier for him. And I don't know exactly what the answer is. So I don't necessarily have a specific example other than like, you know, if Joe's consistently facing pressure from Miles Garrett on the left side. Can we move the pocket out to the right side? Can we, I mean, maybe Joe Burrow doesn't like rolling out and moving the pocket. I don't know. But like, that's just an example of, can we do something to help mitigate what the issue is in the game? Because it's, there there are things a coach can do to help make things easier for his offense that I don't feel like he always does that. It's like, he's got his game plan. He's got his scripted plays. He's got what he's going to do. And hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, then it's going to be a long game. Um, but yeah, that was the other thing. I won't forget. Yeah. I mean, I think those are, are both valid and uh, things that you you kind of mentioned, like you'd hope to have seen progress now because it's not, we're not in his first year or second year anymore. But uh, maybe it's something we can kind of keep an eye on moving forward to see if we can see signs of of growth there or or what. But yeah, ideally, you'd like to see a guy like end game, see, okay, we're struggling with this or we didn't expect them to, to do this, so let's pivot this way. And I, I think you're right. We, I can't point to a bunch of times where it's been obvious that they've made corrections mid-game and kind of, you know, taken off. Not to say that it hasn't happened at all, but 
it's it's far less obvious than like the classic blue anarumo stuff yeah. And then I think another big takeaway from Monday's game, which I could spend way too long on, but I won't. But I want to get your thoughts on the run-pass split. So on Monday night, Joe Burrow dropped back for 35 pass attempts. I guess dropped back 40 times because he was also sacked five times. But So 40-some dropbacks, and then we had nine real rushes. Burrow had that one uh, scramble, I think for two yards, but it wasn't really designed to run. So we had like eight carries from Mixon, one from Smaje. So you're looking at a 80 plus percent pass rate. Um, I think where I'm struggling with that is one, I do believe it would benefit our offense in many ways to be more balanced, not 50, 50, but 65, 35, mm -hmm. uh, maybe 60, 40, if the run game's really humming along. But at the same time, we haven't seen, a consistent efficiency from our run game. We were, we were running the ball a ton early in the season, extremely inefficiently. The offense was struggling. We got away from that, went past heavy the last few weeks and things looked really good against the saints and really good against the Falcons. And it didn't look good against the Browns. Um, what, what are your, uh, let me get your thoughts on that before I go off on any huge um, speeches on this, but your thoughts on the, the pass run split and does Mixon need more work in the running game? Yeah, I think obviously when you lose Jamar Chase, it it makes a difference. And especially the fact that I guess they 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 probably knew earlier obviously than we did, but really like you're you're finding out week of and then making adjustments throughout the week. And you're playing a team like the Browns that has Miles Garrett who can get after the quarterback and they moved him from the left side to the right side and back and they were kind of moving him around, which was really great on their part. Um, but I think what, what we saw that was kind of different maybe from the last couple of weeks was the Browns were able to kind of stack the box a little bit more than, than the Falcons and Saints kind of there at the end because Jamar's not out there. Obviously, when he's out there, there's a little bit more like, okay, we need to keep keep guys spaced out, uh, have our two safeties back there or whatever it is. And it, it makes it that much easier to be efficient in the run game. Whereas against the Browns, it was like, okay, we got a safety creeping into the box. Um, and you're just seeing a little bit of a different look, but I do think that your point is valid that we have to figure out a way to be more efficient in the run game. Um, and whether that's being creative, uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but they've got to figure out a way to keep it a little bit more balanced. It doesn't have to be 50-50 like you said, but there's such an important dynamic in a football game when you can run the ball effectively, at least here and there. So that that was something huge that they were kind of missing on Monday. Yeah, and I think part of also my issue with that argument is, um, and, and this is like, I was talking about it today with some people on Twitter and like, ultimately I don't really care if we throw it 60 times or run it 60 times. If we win the game, it who cares really, you know, we didn't run the ball. I think Mixon had eight carries against new Orleans and nobody cared because we were moving the ball down the field. Jamar had the big catch at the end. We won the game. So no one talks about, wait, Mixon only had eight carries because who cares? We won, but you just lost. And now it becomes a bigger issue. Um, I think, what I have an issue with as well, and I touched on a little bit um, 
last episode was an area, one of the only areas. Like, think about how the the front office has changed the perception of the Cincinnati Bengals over the last few years. Like, so many things have changed for the better. One thing that I still feel like I do not trust this front office and coaching staff with is to make difficult business decisions. And we've seen that, for example, with Kevin Huber, who really probably had no business really outright winning that job other than he was the longest tenured guy and had a record to break and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. he was not the reason we lost on Monday either. He hasn't been the reason we've lost games single-handedly, but he also has not been good. And there's there's potentially a better punter on the practice squad that we've seen for two off seasons now that we could be using that would be better for the team. And another example of that is Joe Mixon. He's a captain, high paid running back. He's never going to get benched. And so because it's unrealistic, I'm not even asking for that. Um, But I don't even trust this front office and coaching staff to take his touches down because while I do think we should be running the ball more, it's hard for me to bang the drum when Joe Mixon is the guy that's going to be getting those carries when he's been as horrendous as he's been. So he's uh, Joe Goodberry put out some tweets today, some Joe Mixon slander, which I was all about. (laughs) Uh, He ranks 65th out of 67 running backs right now in pass block grade leads the league with three sacks allowed. So the argument that, you know, you want him in there because he's a good uh, uh, pass blocker, definitely not valid. Uh, His elusive rating, the ability to make defenders miss, is 51st out of 54 running backs. As we've seen game in in and game out, he does not make anybody miss. He gets tackled. His yards after contact ranks 53rd out of 54 running backs. He doesn't break tackles. He's just not good. And so part of me is like, okay, what happens if um, we have have the, the Panthers game this week and we decide let's establish the run this week? That was unacceptable in... Cleveland to have that few of rush attempts and we start off the game with a first down run for three yards a second down run for two yards incompletion on third and five punt the fan base is going to be going wild that we went three and out we went run run pass it's so predictable what are we doing uh we don't like second down runs we don't like third down runs that almost exclusively leaves first downs Mm -hmm. for running the ball and um I just feel like it's one, one, it's a no win situation for Zach Taylor to play caller with the fan base. Cause then they'll complain that it's too predictable in some ways. But then secondly, I don't want Joe Mixon to get 15 to 20 carries in a game right now because he's not good. Um, I wouldn't mind if he got seven carries and Samaj P run got eight carries and you get 15 total from your running backs. I think that's fine, which I never in my life thought I would be, uh, you know, trying to get Samaj P. Ryan more touches on the field, but here we are in t- the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> um, and I, I'm here saying that, but I, I, I guess that's part of my thing too, is like, yeah, I would like to get the running game going, but realistically, do I think that that's as easy as just giving Mixon more carries that does not equal getting the running game going. That just means you gave him more carries for him to do nothing with them. So I'm kind of struggling with that. Ideally, yeah, if our running game was outstanding, why would we? Why are we not running the ball? This is crazy. But it's not outstanding, and our run blocking's been kind of up and down. Uh, Mixon's performance has been mostly down this season. His rushing yards over expectation, I think, is like fourth worst in the league right now. It's just not really good for him. Yeah, and I mean, I, I want to run the ball, and that would help so much with some of the pressure on Joe and. Um, 
sustaining drives to be a little bit longer when your defense is gassed like they were Monday night. Like it could help so many things, but I don't think it's realistic to just assume the answer is to just give him more carries because they're inefficient carries right now. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's such a hard spot to be in because it's it's I think it's eye test obvious, but also like when you throw in the stats, it's just like you can't defend the fact that Joe is not playing well this year. And you can point to the last couple of games where it's like, oh, he's been so much more efficient. But really, yeah, Saints game very efficient. Yeah, eight carries for like forty yards. <laughs> um, five yards a pop's good, but he also only got eight carries. Right, and I, it's also like you can point to the fact that like, oh, the Bengals were actually also figuring out like what they were doing in the passing game a little bit, which opens up the running game and makes it easier on Joe. So it's like, it's not necessarily just him. Like, oh, all of a sudden he figured it out. It's like, well, actually, I think the offense was just starting to figure things out, and he's a beneficiary of that. And so without Jamar out there, I, it really does feel like it might be time to lean on Samaje just a little bit more because you need the ability to run for four or five yards and make a defense think about it and kind of pick their poison. Because it's crazy with, that for two years we were saying, please let Joe Mixon be a three down back. Stop putting P right in on every third down <laughs> to where now he – like Mixon's getting a career high usage in the passing game and we're like please stop giving the ball to Joe Mixon I think it was two years too late I mean he's a 26 year old running back which is like a 40 year old um accountant so um, yeah he's getting up there he's getting up there getting up there in running back years um you know I'm I'm 31 I tweaked my back uh today bending down down in a forward motion tweaked my back went to the chiropractor got some ice on it um and we all know that that you're a world-class athlete so and i'm a world-class athlete um i've done orange theory fitness before so (laughs) catch catch me in those otf classes baby uh all right so we got the panthers this week and the panthers almost feel like a knock on wood gimme game they they (laughs) fall i'm saying hold on okay this is this is one of the games that one of the few games I think you could look at the schedule and say, oh, yeah, that's that's a Bengals win because there's so many others where you're like, oh, I'm not so sure. Uh, the Jets were probably one. We were like, yep, that's a Bengals win. I think the, as the season went along, it's like the Falcons should be an easy win. And they were. I think the Panthers fall into that bucket, and I'm not sure anybody else the rest of the season falls into the bucket. That being said, the Panthers are sort of a weird team. They're two and six, so record-wise not good. They've had some uh all over the place with their quarterbacks they've had did has darnold played this year i want to say he has not yet played (laughs) yeah i can't remember if he started but then they've got you know the baker mayfield and now the the pj walker show um anyways so they're two and six oh and three on the road but they beat the buccaneers by 18 which we don't know if the buccaneers are good or bad but still beat the Buccaneers by 18. Um, they've had some close losses. They have a two point loss, a three point loss, another three point loss last week. Should have won last so, week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> DJ Moore got a little ambitious there with his celebration. The helmet comes off and uh penalty. The guy still should have made the extra point. I mean, yeah. I know it's a 40 well, something yarder, but well, our guy missed a, a 40 hey, 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 yarder hey, 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 as hey, well. Hey, so hey, hey, they're hey, not, hey, they're hey, not automatic. Hey, 
He's all right. <laughs> Evan's all right. He's missed great. We point. love Evan. Missed an extra point too. Uh, but yeah, so the, the Panthers are kind of a weird team that now you look at it and you say, I still think this is a Bengals win, but I will say I'm a little less confident in that. But it, it does, you know, I don't throw the term around regularly. This does feel like a must win, in my opinion, for the Bengals because they have they have to win two of their next three to go into December with six wins at least. Mm -hmm. And I just, the way things have gone this year, don't feel confident. I don't feel confident that we will beat the Steelers and Titans. I think we can beat them both. I think we should beat them both, but I don't feel confident that we will. So this would be one that you got to beat the Panthers at home. And if you drop a game that you shouldn't to the Steelers who we're playing on the road. They get TJ Watt back. Like I could see a scenario as bad as they've been that they play us tough and we have a rough game or the Titans and Derrick Henry, you know, goes wild and whatever else. Like there's scenarios for us to lose one of those two games, mm -hmm. which makes this one all the more important. Um, what are your initial thoughts coming into this game? I think, you know, the, the, the talk from Bengals players is going to be like, you know, Zach Taylor's gonna be like one game at a time and, all that stuff. Uh, but what are your thoughts coming into this game as far as must win your confidence level in us beating the Panthers this week, et cetera? This to me is an absolute must win. Uh, this wow. to me Jake, is Jake Taylor taking a stand. I'm taking a stand. This is a must win. And this is also with the bye week next week. This is a pull out all the stops game. Okay. Because it's I a like must that. win. This is a team. This is a game where. You do literally whatever it takes to win it. Are we getting a Tyler Boyd pass attempt this game? We might need one. Oh, oh, I love it. When I say pull out the stops, I, I mean literally anything goes. Whatever it takes, I mean, we're going to have defensive backs out there then out of position. We're going to have guys Oof. with hamstring issues. It's, <laughs> it's going to be one of those days where anything can happen, and the Panthers have a few things going for them right now that make them a scary team. Like you said, Coming into the year, if we're fully healthy and they are what they are, we, we don't have any fears with this game. It's just like the Falcons game. But we're not fully healthy. Nope. And they have a coach they're playing hard for because he's a guy from North Carolina. And they, they didn't think yep. he got a fair shot in Arizona. Uh, they got P.J. Walker playing quarterback who's trying to make a name for himself in the NFL. He's they're, they're got just a, like one of those teams that like – I mean, at two and six, they, they like individually, they have something to play for. Like you mentioned PJ Walker and stuff yeah. like that and, and whatever. And like Deontay Foreman, who now stepped into their starting. There was a story today about how like a year ago, he thought his NFL career was over. He's running his own trucking line or something, gets called to back up Derrick Henry and, and you know, performs well. So he gets signed by Carolina and now he's thrust into the starting role again. It's like they have guys with chips on their shoulders, but as a team, it's like, they don't really have anything they're playing for. It's like they're playing so loose mm -hmm. and so carefree. That's what makes me a little bit nervous because it could go one of two ways. You could have a team in the Bengals saying, all right, this is a game we're rebounding. Last week was unacceptable. We have to get this win. Or it results in them playing a little uptight. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to worry about the Panthers playing uptight. They're going to be loosey-goosey with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I trust Joe and I, I trust some of these veterans that we have. I, I trust... Teddy K, like we talked about on the O-line. Uh, we still got some stalwarts on defense that are going to play well, and they're not going to kind of shy away from the moment. 
it's just one of those games where crazy things happen in the NFL and you got a team like the Panthers that's playing hard, that's playing inspired. Um, and it, a play, All those things play that here sound like play cliches, there. but I think are like completely legit. Yeah, they're cliches. <laughs> they all sound like cliches, but I'm like, I legitimately believe that this team is playing harder for Wilkes than they were Rule. Yeah. I, I believe that. <laughs> I, There's no way to really prove it, but. Yeah, it's something that's not really quantifiable and people talk about it often and maybe it gets brought up in circumstances where it shouldn't, but there are absolutely cases where it's like, it's 100% a thing. And I think anytime you hear guys talk who have who played in the league, they'll, they'll tell you like, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that exists. And when, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to explain, but it, it just, it can take you on a ride. So I'm not saying that the Panthers are world beaters. Obviously they just lost to the Falcons. Um, but they're a team that can beat the Bengals, especially this Bengals team that's dealing with injuries in really, really key positions. And we talked about that Monday. Like we're not as beat up maybe as like the Falcons secondary, or we don't have quite as many injuries as the Ravens had last year. But the injuries that we've had this year, going back to week one, have been like the most key possible players that could have been injured in those situations outside Joe Burrow. Like your long snapper who you think about zero times a game unless he messes up. And we get T. Higgins going out in game one. And then we get Chase going out. And we've got DJ Reader, who's the best defensive lineman that we have. And maybe the best player on the team outside of Joe Burrow going out. And now you've got Wuzier going out. He's the top cover corner and hides maybe some deficiencies on the other side. So yep. it might not be I the pure number of injuries, but as far as like impact to the team, you couldn't have asked for maybe a worse group of guys to get hurt. I think defensively, I have some real concerns and um Huge. I have to give a shout out to Gabe, who is not on this episode, but I did talk to him earlier today. Thought he made a good point, and I'm going to give him credit, even though, you know, he didn't tell me I had to. <laughs> I could have made this point and not given credit, but credit where credit is due. You're an upstanding guy. Upstanding guy. Outstanding individual, uh, myself. But um, he made the point that we might see even more of the bend don't break defense, for even more than what we have seen all season, because there was, like you were saying there, there was something to Awuzie being able to just be on an island by himself for the most part. You let Jesse shade over towards Eli's side. Von Bell can play a little bit more in the box. Um, if he wants to, he can also play deep as evidenced by his like four or five interceptions this year or whatever. Um, and now you are going to have to have two defensive backs in Jesse Bates and Von Bell like helping yeah cam taylor Britt and eli apple like they are going to have to be there because uh, i don't know i don't know that i've seen enough of cam taylor Britt to definitively say that this is a weakness of his but we know eli apple has a tendency at times to just get absolutely dusted deep and this is the week with a guy like dj moore he did it to end the game in regulation last week mm -hmm. where he just simply ran right by the defenders who knew that it was going to be like a Hail Mary type attempt and he still did it. And so this, I think you're going to see even more, um, you know, deep safety play from us to help cover up some of those potential deep plays from, you know, that our defensive backs give up. And as such, you might see a lot more of the middle of the field underneath giving up 
seven or eight yard outs because we're just not wanting to give up anything deep. It could be even more bend and hopefully don't break uh, once they get into the red zone type of thing. So I like wouldn't be shocked if this was a game where the Panthers move the ball and the Panthers rack up the yardage. I mean, they had a 478 yard game last week. Granted, they went to overtime, but still almost 500 total yards last week, six and a half yards per play. Wouldn't be shocked if they had another high yardage game. And then the hope is that just things clamp down the mm-hmm. closer they get to the end zone to hold them to field goals. Their kicker's not very good either. So, I mean, I think that that analysis is pretty spot on. And, and what we good job, game. what we absolutely need this week is we need the defensive line to step up and play better than they played against the Browns. And to their credit, they've, they've played well this year. Um, and definitely stepped up against some of these rushing attacks that we were kind of nervous about. So need them to play m- closer to the way they played against the Falcons and the way they played against the Browns. And let's face it, the Browns are kind of the Bengals kryptonite. So yep. I would expect them hopefully to bounce back, which would be huge because that keeps our linebackers a little bit cleaner, um, helps them, and it, by extension helps our defensive backs as well. So what we really need we need them to step up. We could use desperately one of those Trey Hendrickson strip sacks or yeah. and or a Jesse Bates because there's going to be a few plays where they try to take a shot down the field to DJ or Terrace Marshall or whoever. So we're going to need that DJ or Jesse Bates or Von Bell kind of like over the top making a play on the ball and stealing a possession. I think we need one of those two things or maybe both of them because like you said, I definitely foresee the Panthers trying to play a little ball control and the Bengals kind of doing the bend, don't break. Let's not let them beat us over the top. And uh, it being one of those games where they're trying to limit the Joe Burrow's possession. So if we can steal one or two, obviously that's always great. But in a game like this, I think that's going to be important. Uh, Defensively, uh, I used the tool I've mentioned before from the edge, which pulls data from... SIS Sports Info Solutions. Uh, I I saw last week, which the the Falcons were able to move the ball on the Panthers. They also had 239 yards passing, which for the rest of the league is like 500 because they just don't throw the ball much. Um, They were able to move the ball just fine. And the Panthers were playing a lot of zones, specifically cover three and cover four. And I was like, let me check and make sure it wasn't just a last week thing. The week before, which was, I believe, when they played Tampa Bay, um, which I would think they were respecting Tom Brady in that receiving core as well. The 29 out of the 38 snaps Tom Brady took were against cover three or cover four. So I don't have the percentage there, but 29 out of 38 is a lot, yeah. over 75%. Um, against cover three this year, Joe Burrow completing 74% of his passes, 467 yards, uh, eight yards in attempt, pretty good. Against cover four, you know, comparable numbers, pretty good. Um, I think that the last team we played that was kind of a heavy cover three team were the Atlanta Falcons a couple weeks ago. We saw the Bengals carve them up. This could be an opportunity again for Joe Burrow to capitalize on a zone heavy um, defense. And I, I went to look up at our receivers. Who do you think is our biggest beneficiary against cover three defenses this year? I'm going to hope you're going to say either T or Boyd since they're the ones playing. <laughs> yeah, T Higgins, 11 receptions for 158 yards, both tops on the team against cover three. Cover four guy, Hayden Hurst, Ooh. 11 receptions, 
which is like basically a third of his production this year has come against cover four. So maybe we see more Hayden Hurst this week. I was a little surprised at his lack of usage um, last week. I thought that that would be a big opportunity. And I've seen some of the replays of um, Joe quickly checking down to the swing pass, dump off to the running back before the routes have developed where I think he could have probably had Hurst or Higgins or Boyd for a few more catches that game than he did. Mm -hmm. And some of that was because Miles Garrett really wrecked things early on. So hopefully we don't let Brian Burns or anybody else on that defensive line get to Joe early to kind of mess up his internal clock. Mm -hmm. Because I think if he does have the time, he's going to have the opportunity to maybe we don't hit as many of those deep passes against cover three and cover four without Jamar, but we are able to kind of pick apart middle of the field uh, T Higgins and I'm going to say Hayden Hurst maybe has a, a good game four for 42 last week Four four targets, four receptions, 42 yards. It kind of feels like, you know, if he had 10 catches, he would have had a hundred yards. That rate. <laughs> 15, 50. Where's the stop? Where's the stop? Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the offense, I would say here's, we're going to play a little game. Um, I'm going to let you start so that I don't impact your answer. What is your dream scenario for the Bengals this week offensively against the Panthers. Dream scenario is we open up the game the way we do it against the Falcons and we're hoping to do against the Browns and kind of were until the the unfortunate pick. But you open the ball open the game with the ball, you drive down, you get in a rhythm, you score a touchdown and you immediately take control of the game because we've seen that seems to be a, a big time recipe for success with this team. Um, getting confidence, getting the mojo, getting the, getting the opponent on their heels, and then being able to just drive it down their throats after that. Because what we don't want is to kind of replicate the falling behind, allowing the other team to run, use clock, limit possessions, etc. We know that's a recipe for uh, keeping an underdog in a game. We know that's a recipe for the Bengals having limited success with the way that they're built. So. Yeah, I would similarly like a fast start. This would just be a great game, which I thought the Falcons game was also an opportunity for this that it didn't quite play out this way. Um, but this would be a great game to get out to a quick start and then try like heck in the second half to just get the running game going. And um, if that means we have a couple three and outs when we have a 17-point lead in the second half, I'm okay with it if we're trying to get the running game going. And I thought, I mean, have a 28 to 17 lead at the half, push it to 35, 17 in the third quarter against the Falcons that we were going to go really run heavy. And I mean, Mixon had 17 carries that game. So it was, uh, you know, by his recent standards, a, a heavy workload game rushing the ball. But again, it was pretty inefficient 3.4 a clip. I just would love to have a game where, our offensive line and Joe Mixon and everybody's clicking and we can show ourselves that we can run the ball. And we do have that in our, our repertoire. Cause it feels like we don't have that even as an option right now. Like if a team said you, we will not let you pass the ball against us and they dropped eight into coverage. I still don't feel confident that with only three uh, down linemen that we would be able to run the ball efficiently just with the way things have gone. Uh, that would be just be awesome to get that on track this week. Um, do you think, how, how do you think the defense shakes out this week? It looks like Cam Taylor Britt and Eli Apple will both be starting. Mm -hmm. 
I thought it was interesting the comments from Dax Hill today. Uh, basically that he's had no work at outside cornerback hasn't really uh, taken a ton of reps there since high school. He said too much. Um, so it was kind of interesting that he has not gotten those reps at an NFL level and we threw him out there. Um, maybe we didn't really have any options, but yeah, I think threw that him was out there. Kind <laughs> I mean, of desperation mode. Hamstring, but um, do you think we see more Dax Hill, maybe not at outside cornerback, but um whether it's working in as an extra safety to help with our cornerbacks uh, that we are a little less confident in. Um, I, mean, I don't know the answer. So I'm just asking your opinion. I, I honestly think if, if they don't absolutely like have to stick him out there, especially at outside corner, they're not going to do it. Um, I, I think where we could possibly see him is taking over uh, flowers uh, kind of sub package role when he's in there just because I think that would be a little bit more manageable to a guy who, like you said, it doesn't have any reps playing outside corner is definitely more of that kind of safety, maybe slot kind of guy. Um, so I would expect if flowers is hurt and can't go that we would see him more in that kind of position. I think Hilton was on the injury report today, but I, if I recall correctly, it was a finger, which I think it was a finger and he, ended up practicing or something like okay, that. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, it doesn't sound like a finger is going to keep a defensive back from playing. Yeah. But that would be one of the interesting scenarios is like if Hilton were to miss any time or anything like that, like that would be the logical, okay, Dax, you're our slot corner because it seems like he would either long-term fit is going to be slot corner or safety, one of those two areas. And at least slot corner seems a little bit more gradual of a step for him versus going to outside corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And it's exciting. We got the news today that DJ reader likely back after the bye week So we've got Mm -hmm. one more week to get through without him and he'll be back and really, you know, Jamar remains the last remaining domino for our injuries is to, I mean, it's, it's a huge one. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) our best player on defense and our first or second best player on offense. Yeah. Two pretty big ones. Yeah. Um, do think he's going to be out longer than we think. And I hope I'm wrong. Very much so hope that I'm wrong. But I feel like it's going to be like a mid-December return or something. Uh, but anyways, we, we won't end it on a, on a yeah, bad Yeah, don't want to end it on a sour on, note. We're going to end it on a sweet note. A sweet? A sweet note of your voice as we get the fans out of here. Um, I, I forgot to mention, I don't want to forget this. I won on Vivid Picks this week. Is this your first one? Not my first, but it's definitely uh, overdue. Your sweetest? So, yes. If if you don't follow on Twitter, uh, you missed out because I definitely forgot to mention it. You on gave away Friday free money is what you did. They gave, they gave away um, a free square, basically, with Joe Burrow over 0.5 passing arts. And obviously, he got that. So, I parlayed that with Donovan Peoples-Jones and um, won, like, yeah, twenty five bucks. Good for you. I'm still you're, you're I'm still stacking not, money. I'm, yeah, I'm not a big money guy. Replenishing but, uh, your stock though, that's great because now you can finish out the season. Uh, well, I had to picks. put more in. I was at zero, so. <laughs> well, now you're you you can take some of that back out and you're back to square one. Yep. Yep. So um, I'm back on it. I don't know what I'm going to hit this week for the Bengals. They probably don't even really have uh, a whole lot out right now for that game because they usually. Don't put a ton out for the um, later games until, you know, late closer to the weekend. What do they have right now? 
Right now, they only have PJ Walker and DJ Moore. Uh, PJ at one ninety point five. I'm taking the over on that. I would. I would. DJ Moore at sixty point five. Man, I would take the over on that PJ Walker. Yeah, one ninety seems seems low against what is probably going to be a secondary that is uh, depleted to say the least. We think we're going to win this game, so they're going to be passing the like, hopefully the yeah best. hopefully we get out to that hot start and they are uh trying to keep up so yeah i, mean, I know pj walker's not a world beater necessarily um but, but you saw that 60 yard throw to for 62 yard what, bomb should have been the game Moore winner yeah that was i think what joe burrow say that was one of the best throws he's ever seen so pretty high it praise was, it was a nice throw it was nice um anyways all right I, i'm i'm gonna take the Bengals this week to win i don't even know do you know what the over under is this week uh, I don't know, uh, and honestly, I would put no stock in it because I have zero clue <laughs> what the final uh, this, score of this one's going to be. All I know is the Bengals is, are going to uh, be on top. Cincy minus seven. Yeah, I would not would not bet that. No over under a forty two and a half. So what is that implied? Twenty six to nineteen? No, twenty five to eighteen. Something, like, something that. like that, like 25 to 18. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd like either one of those, actually. I'm really bad. If the Bengals put really up 25 points, I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah. With, without I, they, they also just need to show that, like, the, the, the whole – they got so off track last week with that first drive turnover. Yeah. I just would love to know how that game would have gone in an alternate universe where the turnover does not happen. Even if we don't score a touchdown but we get a field goal there – what's the game look like? Cause we were moving the ball with confidence on that first drive and then things kind of unraveled. Yeah. That, that sequence and the sequence to close out the first half were just absolutely demoralizing. So yeah, yeah you like to hurts. see an op- op- alternate universe where those, are you going to the game this week? I will be there. I will be there as well. So I will see you there. Uh, I'll be wearing probably the borough Jersey. Orange. Yes. Okay. Good. We, we... I I actually might wash it though. Um, hmm. hasn't okay. been washed yet, and I think I'm one in three when I wear it. So okay, maybe wash it. Yeah. Well, we won the Saints game. I kept it on even though things weren't good early mm. on. I'm like, I'm keeping it on, and then we have the big win, and I'm like, yes, it's uncursed now. And then I don't think I wore it last week against the Falcons, and then I definitely wore it for the uh, Browns. So here, I don't like washing jerseys. Well, here's the deal. Like I said I earlier, like it's going like fray or something. This is a, a pull out all the stops game for the well, Bengals. I'll, I'll bring it's a must win. So sure. I say that to say maybe you wear the orange burrow jersey unwashed, but underneath you wear a shirt or whatever that you also feel is lucky. That way, worst case scenario, you pull that jersey off. So you're saying I keep it unwashed? Keep it unwashed. You don't want to wash off I the feel Saints like it could do It could do no harm, though, to wash it. Well, you just said you don't want to wash your jersey. It's going to fray. I know. I don't like to, but I feel like I probably should anyways. It's not like I sweat if it. Doesn't, it. If it doesn't just... stink, don't wash it. No, it doesn't stink at then all. Then you're good. Now wear something lucky underneath. That way we've got double luck. Worst case, you take off the jersey. My, pier- my piercings are what's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> the secret piercings that you won't tell anyone where they are. <laughs> well, you can see them when I wear a tight shirt. But anyways... <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the 90th episode of the Hootay Den. Until next time, Hootay. Hootay. Hootay.